Alright, good morning High Desert Word Center. How are we doing this morning? Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. We're this close, people, to autumn, and it's a wonderful time. Everybody's in a great mood. Everybody's so happy and excited. So lots of great stuff going on. Today we've got another round of baby dedications. we got little Andrew Cruz getting dedicated today. And uh, so there's been such a, such a wonderful amount of babies this year that uh, we're do, doing a different baby dedication every Sunday for the next I don't know, five, six weeks, whatever it is. So uh, lots of babies getting dedicated. But isn't that a blessing that God is just filling up the church with babies being born into Christian homes, getting raised in the ways of God? That's the will of God. And that's a beautiful sign for High Desert Word Center and for the High Desert because we got more Christians coming up. Amen. Well, I'm going to let Katie fill you in on a couple of uh, announcements here. And we got a, you know, we got a big thing coming up. So anyway, I'll let her fill you in and then we're going to dedicate little Andrew. Well, speaking of fall time and babies, what is coming at the end of October? Harvest Fest! Praise the Lord. So that is October 23rd out at Pleasant View Farm. We're getting closer to having a serious plan together. We've got to look at all these rules and see what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. Silliness. Uh, but we are going to have a hay ride and we are going to have candy and we are believing God to be able to have a bounce house and some food. So be praying in agreement with us that we're able to figure out how to navigate that and make it happen. Our homeschool co-op has been going great for all these students. And so they are getting together and they are fellowshipping and having a great time. Our sewing class is so, so cool. So cool. And our art class had 16 kids in it. So that's really, really wonderful. Praise God for him making the way for that. So Harvest Fest uh, is going to be yet another blessing for them, but also for our whole family to just celebrate that we made it through 2020. Praise God. So Harvest Fest, I need you to notice that there is a big clear bin with a sign on it as you leave. Let's start bringing in candy. The cool part is you know you're going to be the one eating it anyway because you're going to steal it from their stash. So bring in some candy so it can make it back to your house. Praise God. So we've started that and we're looking really to bless them with big candy bags this year. And also along the same lines as children, tonight starts back family night again. So tonight, 6 o'clock in victory. Praise God. Amen. So lots of good stuff going on. I heard that the ladies had an awesome time at the women's meeting the other night. So, man, so a lot of the guys were getting jealous. We're like, hey, we need something. So, uh, anyway, um, men, just kind of jot this down that I'm looking at having a little bit of a uh, guy's day. We're going to call it bro day. And it's uh, going to be Friday, September 25th. And my parents are going to be out of town in New York visiting my brother. So I'm like, let's just crash their house. And you guys know what I'm saying right there? Come on. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, what, what they don't know is not going to hurt them at all. They won't even know. So, uh, but anyway, guys, I'll try to kind of let you know if you're interested in that. Uh, I don't know exactly what we're going to do, uh, but it'll be a good time. And uh, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, Friday, September 25th, bro day. Guys, you know what to do get together. All right. So praise God. Well, with that being said, I'm going to have pastor and Mrs. Pastor come on up and we're going to start getting ready for little Andrew Cruz to be dedicated to the Lord today. So uh, we'll go ahead and have the uh, let's bring the family up here. 
Amen. And we're going to do this. And I got to say, High Desert Word Center puts out the cutest babies. Have you guys noticed that? I mean, good Lord. The cutest babies you've ever seen. You guys are lining up across here. Hey, you guys keep adding to it. Every time you come up, you got one more. Just keep on coming for a while till we fill it up. It's a picture time already. <laughs> I just want to take a picture of my mind. First of all, anyway, you guys all look so good. Amen. Can everybody back there see okay? Amen. Isn't this a beautiful family? Let's 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 give let's give the Lord a hand for this family. Amen. And for Andrew David. He's he's fitting right in and looking good. Well, this baby dedication today for Andrew David, uh, we dedicate him to the Lord. We're not baptizing him because baptism is supposed to be from the Bible. When you know what you're doing, when you've given your heart to Jesus, belong to Jesus. We don't baptize babies here. We dedicate them to the Lord. That's actually following the example of Joseph and Mary, what they did in Luke chapter 2. They brought Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. Aren't we glad they did? Amen, amen. So, so it's a Bible thing with children a little like that because it's a, it's a parent committal thing. You're committing to Jesus that you're going to do your best to bring this child up for Jesus. And so this, <clears throat> this is making a public statement, but also making a spiritual statement and telling the devil, this child's off limits. He belongs to the Son of God. He belongs to Jesus. And that's who we're going to serve. That's who we're going to follow. And so, I want to address this morning, Heather and Jose as the parents, and all you grandparents, and the rest of the family members, that this is not only a dedication uh, to the Lord of the baby, but also by you being here, you're making a statement to Jesus that I'll, I'll purpose to also do my part to be a role model example to in front of this child and these children so, they'll, so they know how to live and what to do. So it's a dedication of family to serve the Lord. And so I think about Psalms 127. Verses 1 through 3, and my wife and I had a lot of children, and this is, this is some of the verses we live by. But Psalms 127 says, Children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. And there's a lot of people give anything to have a baby. But especially when Christians have a baby, they recognize this is a blessing from God. And why would we ever want to hurt a blessing or lead a blessing wrong? It says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And what that means to me is this. I, we raised our children for the Lord. And we're so glad as we grow older that our children are able in their prayer closet to speak to the enemy and tell them, no, stay away from this family. Stay off our parents. You can't hurt our family. They stand and they fight with us in the spiritual arena. And I think about these little ones here you already have. I, I know already they're praying kids. I know from what they learn and what they see and what they hear, they're already standing with you in prayer against the enemy's attacks on your family. Amen. That's so important. <clears throat> and so as children are a gift from the Lord, we, we as 
Christians know that children don't begin when they come out of the womb. Children begin at conception when they're put in the womb. That's when life begins, and we cherish life. We cherish children from the time that they're born. And so precious life begins from the time that they're there. And so 3 John 4, Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And according to the Bible, the truth is the Word of God. And so our greatest joy as Christian parents and grandparents, aunts, sisters, cousins, whoever, our greatest joy is to know that our children are following the Word of God with their lives. They're obeying what the Bible says, and the best way they're going to know is because the parents teach them. That's the number one teachers of children in spiritual things is the parents. It's supposed to be. And so parents, Heather, Jose, you hold your arms, heaven or hell. It's up to you what becomes of little Andrew. Decisions you make or don't make about your own Christian walk and your own Christian faith is going to affect them forever and ever and ever and ever. And the decisions they make for or against Jesus for their entire lives will depend on the foundation that you're laying now for all eternity. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And you know, the, 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 the older some of us get in life, the more we see that things that were uh, influenced us as youth still influence us today. They left, they left an imprint on our heart. And then we look at Christian families, and we look at non-Christian families, and we see the result in society today of people that raise their children, right, how they turn out as adults. They're the future leaders. They're the future decision makers in society. And so not only, not only the way you train up your children is going to determine what kind of kids you're going to have in your house, but what kind of kids our nation is going to have in the future as they grow up. And so you, who knows what you're holding in your hands? He may be a president. He may be a Supreme Court justice. Or he may be an anointed truck driver. But whatever he is, it doesn't make any difference. You train him up right spiritually, and then God's going to use him wherever he decides to put him at, and he's going to be a good influencer. And so day in and day out, day in and day out, you must be led by the Holy Spirit about the decisions you make concerning Andrew and concerning the rest of your children because they're all different. Children don't raise themselves. What example are you going to set before them? They're watching you. They'll rejoice when you do right, and the little spirits are going to grieve if you don't do right. So the first thing is, Heather and Jose, have, have you both received Jesus as your personal Savior and made Jesus Lord of your life? That's, that's the first step of training these children right. And so, will you commit to follow Jesus all the days of your lives? To be disciples of his word and yield to the Holy Spirit to the best of your ability. Well, then, let's pray. And I want, you, I want you to be a part of the prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, we dedicate Andrew David to your service. We commit to bring him up by precept and example all the days of his life. We dedicate him this day to be all in life that you, say it again, that you have chosen and planned for his divine destiny. We thank you for this precious gift that you've entrusted to our care. We ask for your wisdom and provision 
in bringing your plan and your purpose to pass in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Mrs. Pastor, uh, Pastor David Katie, would you come here with us? That congregation, we'll extend your hands this way. And we're going to speak blessings over this baby. Father, we just want to thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that you heard the words that were spoken today. Father, you saw the faith and the love from the hearts. And Lord, I want to thank you. Deuteronomy 28, you told us about blessings and curses. And you said if we follow you all the days of our life and obey you, that we'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. We'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're redeemed from poverty, sickness, disease, addiction, torment, Lord, and all those things that people that don't follow you have to put up with. Father, we thank you that this little man is never going to know what cigarettes are, what alcohols are, what drugs are, other than to see the effects in other people's lives, that he's freed from those things. Lord, we thank you he's redeemed from cancer, COVID, any other ugly thing, Lord, that infests society. And we just want to thank you, Lord. Divine healing, divine health is always his. He'll always walk in the wisdom of God. He'll always be obedient to you. He'll always bring his parents and his grandparents, his aunts, and everyone else, Lord, joy and not grief. And, Lord, we just want to thank you. This boy is going to be all you called him to be. And one day, one day when he, his parents, and the rest of the adults in his life stand before you, they're going to be proud. And they're going to talk about, you're going to talk about what they did in bringing up these children right. And you're going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Into the joy of thy Lord. Andrew, you're blessed. You're redeemed from the curse. Covered by the blood of Jesus. Always serving God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Awesome! I love to see uh, just a godly family raising their children in the in the ways of the Lord, and that's the right way to do it. So, as I said earlier, we've had so many babies this year that are for the next several weeks uh, we'll be dedicating a different baby each week. And uh, anyway, it's it's exciting, man! What an exciting time uh, to to get to raise these guys up in the ways of God. Amen. Well, who's excited to be at church today? Come on, yeah! What a fantastic day. What a time to be alive, to see the Bible coming to pass, the, the prophecy right before our very eyes. 
God is good. God is true. And everything that he has promised is happening in our lives. And we're going to stand on that to the very end. But I can just tell you this much, that I've got so much excitement for what God is doing in the earth right now. I'm expecting revival, man. Everybody else is expecting, well, what's going to happen next? I'm saying we're going to see the the latter rain of, of the Holy Spirit right before Jesus calls us home. And so I'm nothing but excited right now. And God's doing some great stuff. But with all that being said, I'm not going to preach right now because what time is it, High Desert Word Center? Happy time. And we call it that because God loves a cheerful giver. I want to look at a verse this morning in First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. If you need an envelope, uh, the ushers have some of those beautiful little sanitized buckets right there. You could grab yourself one of those or you can give online at hdwc.org slash giving. First Chronicles 29. And we've got a couple of verses here uh, of uh, that David was saying. Now, this was towards the end of his life, but he was getting ready to uh, have the temple built. And we know that it didn't come to pass in his life, but Solomon, his son, got to do it. But they started taking up an offering. They started collecting and getting things ready to give their very best to God. And I love this. First Chronicles 29 uh, verses 13 and 14. Uh, this is, uh, I love their attitude of how they give, but this is what David said. This is David's prayer of praise. Verse 13. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Well, that's a good way to get God's attention right there, right off the bat. We thank you. We praise your glorious name. Verse 14, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Think about that. Is it that God really needs our money because he's got some sort of shortage? Is it really that he needs what we have to give because he doesn't have enough? That's not what it's about. But look at this. Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. Do you realize that? Now, of course, we're all hardworking Americans. We're people that, that, you know, we give our very best. We do our best. And so it's easy in our society and in our culture to say, man, I work for every last thing I've got. And praise God that you did. But you need to realize the only way you were able to work is because God in the first place gave you hands to work. Amen. Come on. He gave us feet to go into work. He gave us a brain. Well, most of all, he gave us a brain, right? To be able to go in and, and, and do what we do. And so anytime we fall into the trap, look what I did. Look what I brought about. Whoa. Time out. Easy. Airbag. Pump the brakes on that. Listen right now. You need to have the attitude that David had when he said, everything that I have comes from you in the first place. What is it that I can give to you that you don't already have? You gave it to me. I'm just giving a piece of it back to you as a way of thanks, as a way of praise, as a way of sacrifice. I'm giving back to you what you first gave to me. And when we start to get this heart, when we start to get this revelation that David had, just watch what God can do in your life. Just watch how God can use you when you realize, wait a minute, money isn't everything. I I, I will gladly sacrifice to give something back to my God who gave it to me in the first place. So who could say, like David said, oh, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Somebody should shout hallelujah this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. 
God is good. Well, we're going to go ahead and say our financial faith confession. And keep in mind, this is not just something that we do. We speak words of faith over our finances because everything we do involves our faith. Whether it's eating our food, we pray over it. Whether it's giving our offering, we pray over it. We speak over it. Everything we do because the just shall live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And whatever isn't of faith is sin. And so faith is everything to us. So I want to speak some words of faith over this. And then we are going to have an awesome time praising God today. Who came to get your praise on? Who came to lift up the name of Jesus? Amen. Let's speak these words together and say it like you mean it. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Let's stand and sing together. Every fear overtaken, every wall comes crashing down. I am free in your presence. Whoa. You have lifted my burdens You surround me with your grace Full of hope in your presence Whoa. And I, I can't stop singing about your love I can't stop singing about your love My heart is over
cross one sacrifice so secure in your presence and I I can't stop singing my joy I can't stop singing my joy my heart is over and I I can't stop singing my joy
Be. 
everything we have down to him today. Father, we're so glad to know that you're real, that Jesus is real. Lord, we know that spiritual things have a priority over natural things because the spiritual always became for the natural. You're a spirit. After the spiritual world, you spoke life. You spoke the existence of everything there is. And we know now, Lord, that as we're born again Christian, your spirit lives inside of us. And we know that what we do in the spiritual realm determines the life we live in the natural realm. And so our hearts adore you. Our hearts love you. 
we cry out to you to learn more, to know more, to experience more of your presence, not only in church, but our everyday life everywhere we go. Father, we just want to thank you today. As you said your word, Jeremiah 3.15, you'll give your people pastors with your heart that will feed them with knowledge and understanding. And Lord, that's my prayer today as I yield to your spirit that I'll feed your people, I'll teach them the Bible, and they'll understand it, they'll know what it means. They'll be able to put it to practice in their everyday life, the ones that are in, in here today, the ones that are watching on the internet. Lord, I wanna thank you that that's, that that's our goal, that's our end result, that your people will walk in more of your presence and have an impact towards their families, people they work with, people they come in contact with, that wherever we go, we're gonna be able to spread the good news, take your love, your anointing, and help people live the life that you've chosen they should live because you sent your son. You said because you love the whole world, whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus, you said you came for us to have and enjoy this life. So we just wanna thank you that those things are gonna take place today in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen, amen. You can be seated. Oh, boy. Wow. Boy, it's so good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Amen, amen. I know I've been sending some of you post scriptures uh, on Facebook and things, and, and our Bible studies have been doomed. We see so much in the Word of God, how God says He wants His people to worship at the temple. He wants his people to worship together. He said, come together and worship. Come together and give him praise. And it's so great to be able to do that. And uh, we're going to be teaching today about how to live free from fear and torment. How many can use a dose of that? Live free from fear and torment. And, you know, I think about, I've, I've been walking with Jesus for a lot of years. I've learned a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. And, you know, I, I know somewhat about the character of God and the will of God, because I read His Word, study His Word, so that I know that His Word is His will. And I know that uh, back in the Old Testament, Israel, the Hebrew children, they were God's people back then. They're still God's people. But then out of the New Testament, Jesus tells us that every born-again Christian, every person that received Jesus as the Lord and Savior, becomes part of God's family. And so we're God's family in this new covenant and every Jewish person received Jesus. They're part of the new covenant family of God. And so anyway, uh, I see I see that in the Old Testament. It's a type and a shadow of the New Testament God has for us today. Matter of fact, Paul said in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, that we even have a better covenant with better promises than what they had in the Old. And I see in the Old Covenant that when Israel transgressed and got in trouble with God, they went into bondage in Egypt. For 400 years, they were slaves. They were slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. And with that 400 years they were there, they were living under a curse. They were in a cursed place because they, they rebelled against God. They were So anyway, they were under judgment. And when it came time for God to set them free, God sent plagues into Egypt. How many know about Moses coming and told Pharaoh, let my people go? And God sent plagues, sent lice, sent frogs. <laughs> he turned the water into blood. He did so many things that were horrible. The cattle died, the livestock died, people died. 
But the Bible says through all those plagues, not one Jew got hurt. The plague touched no Hebrews. None of their cattle died. No frogs came in their house. No lice came in their house. Their water was blessed. Their water didn't turn into blood. And God made this statement. He said, I want Egypt to know there's a difference between my people and the people of Egypt. And then the New Testament teaches us that Egypt is a type of the world. And us Christians, us Christians coming out of being unsaved, people that didn't walk with God, coming into the kingdom of God is like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt to go into Canaan land, to go into the promised land. So when we receive Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we left the kingdom of darkness to come to the kingdom of light. And if God wanted the people back then to know there's a difference between his people that serve him and those that didn't, how much more so if we have a better covenant now? Amen. And so we as Christians have to know Just like Psalm 91 says, a thousand may fall at our left hand, ten thousand on our right, but if we're walking with God, it'll not come nigh our dwelling. And so we as Christians, as we look at the Bible today, we're going to see we can live free from fear from the things that are tormenting the world today. From the things that are tormenting even born-again Christians that don't know about their God, the things we're going to teach out of the Bible today. We do not have to have fear and torment. Amen. And I, I, I can safely say that the things I'm going to teach today, I have learned and proven work in my own life. Back when my son David was three and a half years old, he had leukemia. And we went through all the treatments and things we did like that, and God healed him in a couple of weeks' time. But the thing was, I can honestly say, I had no fear, no torment when my son had leukemia. I didn't deny what he was attacked with, because faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. But I went to bed and I slept just as good as when he was diagnosed as I did before he was diagnosed because I've learned how to walk in the peace of God. About three years ago, I was diagnosed with blood cancer. And so I went through treatments and things like that. I could honestly say... I had no fear, I had no torment, because I've learned and I've practiced what I'm going to teach from the Bible today for you. And so I want to say this, especially, if you're being fear and torment about life right now, you really need to take notes, write some things down. If you're watching on the internet, get your Bibles out, follow these scriptures with us, write some notes down, because the Bible's true. You know, matter of fact, Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. And I think about that things I went through back in 2018 in the midst of all that treatment for blood cancer. At that point in time, my, my body had, my, my, my blood, the oncologist said, was 70% cancer. That's a pretty big hit on your blood. You know, I, I found out for sure that what God said in the Old Testament, that the life's in the blood, is true. And so that my body <clears throat> had that much cancer in it but then, through the midst of that whole thing, then I had a heart attack. <clears throat> and the doctor said that 99% of my right coronary artery was blocked. That means 1% of my main pumping artery was always working. And the heart doctor said, I was a walking dead man, said I should have never made it into his, his hospital. So went through that. 
And I can honestly say, through all those things going on, I was not fearful, I was not tormented. I want to say this again, and you might want to write this statement down. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. I wasn't in denial. If I was in denial, I would have never went to doctors. Amen. But faith changed those things. I was at two doctors this week. Did lots of blood tests, lots of things going on. And uh, anyway, went down through all the list. Everything in my blood is 100% normal. Amen. And then in addition to that, as the nurse was doing all my vitals and everything like that, she's reading them off. She said blood pressure, uh, 100, 122 over 79. She gave the oxygen level, something 89 or something percent oxygen level. Then she said, your pulse is 59. I said, what? I said, that sounds really low. What do you mean, 59? She says, do you run a lot? I said, well, I said, I've got a 10-acre farm. I work in my orchard, work around the lake, and I, I walk a lot out there doing things like that. I said, well, 59 low? She said, no. So that's the heart of a young athlete. She said, you have the heart of a young athlete. Said, you have an excellent heart. And then she explained to me how hearts work and things like that again. And she said, keep on doing what you're doing. So I want to say, I want to say that I went through some serious things. And then I remember several years ago, we went through a bankruptcy. We went through some financial hits like you wouldn't believe. Went through a lot of things. And through all that different horrible things going on in this natural world, we didn't lose any sleep. We weren't tormented. We weren't fearful. Because I've learned things from God, His principles, His Word, His character. I've learned how to do what the Bible says to do, and I sleep like a believer. Somebody said, well, I sleep like a baby. I used to, too, until I found out babies don't sleep too good a lot of times. So I decided to do what the Bible says. He says he gives sweet sleep to his people. And so I chose to quit sleeping like a baby, start sleeping like a believer. Amen. How many of you new moms know that sometimes the babies don't sleep that great? <laughs> sleep at the wrong times, etc. And so anyway, I've learned those things. As, as, as I think about this, I think about you. And maybe all of you don't know what I know, and that's why I'm a Bible teacher, to teach you some things that I do know. And so let's let's take notes today. Let's look closely at this. And I want you to open up to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And, you know, as I think about what I'm teaching, uh, I don't have any written down sermons that I go back to and just say, well, what can I teach today that I've, uh, got written down from all these times of the past. I teach a lot of the same things in different ways, but I always, without fail, every time I minister, whether it's a uh, maybe a funeral service like we had yesterday, or whether it's a church service like this, or a men's meeting, or speaking some, speak some other venue, I always spend time with Jesus. And I ask Jesus what it is he wants to say to the people that's going to be there. And, you know, I, I want to give you something else to think about, this fear factor, this fear arena. Now, just listen to what I'm going to say and think about this real closely. And, you know, this is not some big fancy definition I looked up. It's just what I've learned in life. Fear is simply being afraid of what might happen in the future. Fear is being afraid of the unknown because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, you don't know what's up ahead, et cetera, et cetera. But I've learned, I've learned that faith 
is just the opposite of fear. Talk about faith in God, faith in God's word. Now, I'm going to make a statement. It's not mine originally, but I know it's going to help some of you. God knows more about your future than you know about your past. God knows what's up ahead. And God knows what to do about it. I want to say it again. If you're afraid of the future, and let, let me tell you another little clue. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And there's no such thing today as news. All the television is, is commentary. On the left, on the right, on this side, on that side, you can't turn on a television set or an internet and get straight news. It's going to be biased one way or another. And so the only thing you're going to get off watching those broadcasts is fear. They're going to tell you how many people are dying, how many cities are burning, all the things you can't do because this might happen to you, etc., etc., etc. The Bible's going to tell you how many people are living, how many people are winning, going to tell you how to win. The Bible's going to tell you how to have the answers to make sure you win because that's faith. Faith is having confidence in your future that God is in control. Faith is having confidence in your future that God is in control. And so I personally have come to the place in my life I cannot turn something on that they say news because I find out it's not news. The only news that I found out that I can trust is the good news. I read the good news. It says, I'll protect your family. I'll provide for your future. I'll cover you with my wings. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, living under the open windows of heaven. You'll see the wicked and the rewards of the wicked, but you choose to be the righteous and live right for me. And that's what I'll bless you with. And so I get faith out of that. So when I hear the bad news about the future, I don't think about that because I think of what the Bible tells me with long life will I satisfy you. Show you my salvation. And so I can say as a human being living on the earth, if I didn't know on the inside of me where Jesus lives, what I know, I might be afraid about things right now. And so as a man of God, I minister by the Spirit of God what God gives me for people that don't know what I know or live like I live. And so I really believe today is going to be a changer for a lot of you if you'll practice what we're seeing. And so last week, Pastor Dave and I, if you notice, we're kind of tag-teaming off on our service. Service will be doing things like that. And so last week when I knew I was going to be the one sharing the Word of God today, I thought... And I thought about this First John 4.18. That's all I thought about all week long. And then when I sat down on Friday to fine-tune what, what God wanted to say from this, all I knew again, this is God, what he wants to say. And so in First John chapter 4, verse 18, he says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Cast out fear, 
Because fear has torment. Fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so when praying and thinking about Jesus wanting me to teach on the love of God, I thought about so many times we teach and are conscious of doing our best to love fellow human beings. How many know that? We spend a lot of time, and we should, because there's so much hatred in the world, and hatred comes natural, but we're supernatural. We're supernatural, born of the Spirit of God, and so we have to continually teach people how to love their neighbor as they love themselves, how to, how, to, how to love their neighbor as Jesus loves us, how to love, forget, forgive, and all those kind of things. But I'm not so sure that Christians have been taught from the Bible how Jesus says we can prove to God that we love him. That's the direction we're heading today. We're going to focus more on how we love God. How many know it's important to love God? He first loved us. And really, if you don't know how to love God, you're not going to be very good at loving people. And so, uh, Friday morning, I prepared myself to hear from God to fine-tune. I asked him the question or questions that his people had and what answers he wanted to answer for them. And I learned a long time ago. Now listen, this, this, this may be something you've never thought about. But I thought of this years ago and it's always stuck with me. Sometimes we don't get the right answers from God because we're not answer, asking the right questions. And so I've, I've prayed this way for many years before I preach and teach the word of God. I ask him, I say, Jesus, you know who's going to be there. You know who's going to watch this on the Internet. You know who's going to watch this in the future because it's recorded now. You know who's going to be seeing this. And Jesus, what questions do you want to answer for them? What questions do they have in their hearts that they don't even know to ask but you want to answer? What is that? And this is, this is what we have. And so I really believe there could be some answers for you today that you're going to be thinking that things you're dealing with in your life right now are the problem, but all they are is a manifestation of the real problem. And so to get the right answers for what you're seeing in life today, we got to get to the spiritual roots. And you know, Lord gave me this phrase years ago, and it's always worked for me. If you want to change the fruit, you got to change the root. Amen. you got to deal with what's underneath the surface if you want to change what's on top. How many know that when you got born again, before you got born again, maybe you was a pretty good person, maybe you wasn't. But before you got born again, whatever your bad habits were, maybe you were a drinker, maybe you were a serious cusser, maybe you were a serious gossiper. Maybe your whatever you were, your biggest problems were, and you thought that was your real problem was all those things you were dealing with in your actions. Well, when you got born again, Second Corinthians five seventeen says you become a new creature in Christ. It says your new nature is God, and then it says a part of that nature, the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, and peace, and all those different things there. Well, all of a sudden, when you got born again, you noticed, hey man, I'm not cussing anymore. The fruit changed because you changed the root. I don't hate people anymore. I'm not talking bad about it. I'm not a gossip anymore. Well, because you change the root, you change the fruit. 
And whatever, you know, you might have had a bad drinking habit. And your thing might have been like my family was. Well, you know, uh, drinking runs in the Samples family. Well, I found out the answer to the drinking in my life. I changed my family. In the natural, I'm still a Samples. But the supernatural, I'm a son of God. And so I changed what was in me, and it changed my actions. Amen? And so today, that's what I believe. We're going to see some things that are going to help you change some actions, and you'll change some things in your life. And so I want to read 1 John 4:18 again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so people that don't know Jesus are full of fear and torment in life. The born-again children of God don't have to live in fear and torment when they have the revelation and the understanding of the love of and for God. I want to say that again. The love of and for God, and then they choose to grow in it. They choose to grow in it. And I'm thinking about little Andrew right now. You know, little Andrew is getting to be a little chunker. And, you know, I heard somebody say that how, how little Andrew likes mama's milk. And then I think about little Seth back there likes mama's milk, man. Every time I, 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 I see that mama, I got to blink it up doing the feeding. And so I, I know, I know that he's growing cause he's feeding. And all the other little babies in the congregation, think about your new one. And all the, all the babies that are feeding and growing like they're going to grow. But have you ever seen any of those pictures, those babies from Africa and other places where they don't have nourishment, how they don't grow, how they're little scrawny, pitiful looking things because they're not eating good? Well, the Bible teaches that, that, that spiritual growth parallels natural growth. It's very similar. If a person in the natural doesn't eat good, they get scrawny and weak and puny. Well, if a Christian, if a Christian comes in and lets a preacher feed them one time a week, and then they go for the whole rest of the time and they never eat again, they're scrawny, they're weak, they don't have much life spiritually because they're not eating. They're not feeding. And then with all the different fears that happen in the world out there come around them, they say, wow, I wish I could be like Desiree. Desiree seems like she has no fear. Every time I come into Home Depot, she's just smiling. She wears her mask. She's smiling, but, but she's not afraid. Or, or I wish I, I wish I'd be like Alex. I don't know. I know. I think Alex is a church boy and, and does those things, but Alex never seems to have any fear. Or I think about Tony back there even. You know, Tony doesn't seem to be like us. We go to church. How, 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 how come, how come Tony just seems to be smiling all the time? He's not afraid about things. Where you're talking about the difference between Christians that take this seriously and Christians just think that oh, church is a nice thing and we know the Bible's a nice thing, but they don't realize, realize it's the difference between life and death. Amen. Is the Bible true or not? Did God say that perfect love cast out fear? He says fear has torment. And so to me, there's some things we need to see about this perfect love. What God said about this. And so anyway, born again children of God don't have to live in fear and torment. Say that for me. Say, I'm born again. I belong to Jesus. And I refuse to live in fear and torment. Okay, amen. And so perfect love 
cast out fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So it would seem like the key here is not just the love, but that word perfect that he's putting with the love. So that's what cast out the fear. Because I know, I know that probably everybody sitting in here today, and probably most of the people watching this out there, probably love God. They probably know they're supposed to love people, so they know about the love of God. But if you're still tormented and messed up in life about what's going on, then we need to learn some things about this perfect love. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I just think about myself. I always pray that the Lord has any examples of my life he can use to help people. I like to use me for an example if that's what God wants to do. I want to say it again. In 2018, I was diagnosed with serious blood cancer. Had a heart attack, et cetera, et cetera, and I walk in divine health today. I don't just say it, but the doctor said it. Said, I've got all my healing back. And the heart doctor said, no damage to your heart, perfect heart, and all those things. And through all those things going on, I was not tormented. I had no fear. And so I know this works. It's the Bible, and it works. So if you're a Christian and you're having problems with the future, problems about what all's going on around you, just keep on listening and do. And as a matter of fact, Paul said this way, he said, follow us as we follow Christ. Now let me ask you this about Christ. Was Christ ever fearful or tormented about anything? No, he wasn't. I'm following Christ, so as I follow Christ and do what he taught me to do, that I should have what he had, which is no fear, no torment, but peace. And so if you're going to follow spiritual leaders that are following Christ, then you should be able to live your life without fear and without torment. Amen? That's not to say there's not bad things going on, but Jesus did pray in John 17, said, Father, said they're in the world, but not of the world. He said, while they're in the world, he said, I pray this, that you'll protect them from evil. Amen. And so I can say this, my physical body right now carries my spirit around. One of these days when my body lays down, my spirit's eternal. My spirit will be the same spirit when it leaves this body as it is this body speaking to you right now. My spirit is seated, according to the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, if you're taking notes, says that we as Christians are seated in heavenly places spiritually with Christ Jesus. Amen. And so my citizenship, Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm a current resident of earth, but my true citizenship is heaven. And so I choose to walk in the rights of my citizenship. So I'm in this world. This is not my permanent address. I'm going to be moving back to my real place someday. Amen. And so we need the revelation of those things. So this perfect love now, I want you to get this. Perfect love simply means mature love. Mature love cast out fear because fear has torment. A believer that has grown and matured in the love of and for God never lives in fear. The Bible says it. All I'm doing, I'm the messenger. I'm repeating the word of God. I'm called by God. I have a gift from God in my spirit to be a Bible teacher. As a Bible teacher, I'm not going to teach my ideas. 
I'm not going to teach my opinions. I'm going to teach from God's textbook. And so God said, a believer that has grown and matured in the love of and for God never lives in fear or torment. And so I will never have a fear of the future. I know who's got my future if I stick with him. Now, if I walk away from him, that changes. And so therefore, I'm going to stick as close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the fathers I can. Jeremiah 29, a lot of you know that verse says he has a good plan for my life. He says, plan for a future and a hope to give me an expected end. What do I expect my end to be? For me personally, I don't know about you, but for me personally, I expect Psalms 91.16 is my expected end. Long life. Long life. Healthy life. Victorious life. Delivered life. Successful life. I expect Acts 16.31. He'll save me and save my house. I expect, I expect all my children, their mates, all my grandchildren, great-grandchildren to be born-again Christian servant Jesus. That's my expected end, that I get to heaven. I don't expect to be looking around at the family up there and say, Oh, no, she didn't make it. Where's he at? I get to heaven. I expect to see all my offspring standing in heaven with me. What do you expect for your future? Are you just hoping and praying, or are you praying in faith? Uh, there's so many buddy trills we could hit. But you know that expression, you hear people say, well, I'm just hoping and praying. Well, see, all hope is, is just something that you think that can be. Faith is knowing what will be. And so you need to get out of the hoping and praying into the faith that I'm praying. So as you see in the Word of God what God says His will is, then you can pray in faith concerning your family's salvations, their deliverances, their victories, their protection, their provision. Amen? So let's just make a shift there and start praying a little bit different. So anyway, as, as we look at this, the questions I ask the Lord, it's obvious what question number one would be. Uh, just answered that. Question number one, how can a Christian live free from fear and torment? That's the question God just answered for you. How can a Christian live free from fear and torment? The Bible answer, grow and mature in the love of and for God. Aren't you glad you just got that question answered? Amen. Somebody, somebody, somebody say, I'm glad. I just got my question answered. I can live free from fear and torment. No matter what I see, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what I hear on the news, I'm a Christian and I can live free from fear and torment. Now the Bible answer is grow and mature in the love of God. So that make the second session, second question really easy, wouldn't it then? How can you grow and mature in the love of God? Love of God and for God. And I learned years ago as a baby Christian, I said, I said under a pastor that taught the word of God like, word of God a lot like I do. I, you know, you, you imitate people that influence you. And so I, I learned to teach the word of God a lot like my pastor taught me. And I learned as a baby Christian, there's a difference between a preacher and a teacher. A preacher 
preaches hope to you. A preacher stirs you up and gets you excited that God has something good for you. But then a teacher shows you how to get what God has. So see, as a preacher, I could have stopped after question number one. I could have said, well, if you'll just grow and learn to love God, then you'll live free from fear and torment. And you sit there like I did. The first church I went to as a baby Christian was a preaching church and not a teaching church. So I remember as a new Christian, I wasn't raised in church, didn't come from a Christian family. So everything the preachers said up here at this pulpit, man, they was all new to me and excited me. Man, they told me that God wanted me healed. They told me that God wanted my family saved. Told me God wanted to bless my job, my money. They always told me what God wanted to do. And every week I would leave there thinking, well, boy, that's nice. But how can I get him to do it for me? I always left there every week with more questions than answers. They always told me, man, God wants you blessed. And where I came from, I thought, man, I want to be blessed too. I wanted it all. But then I learned that a preacher excites you and stirs you. Then a teacher shows you how to get the promise. Amen. An example my pastor used to use that I like, a preacher would tell you, like, like we lived in Indianapolis and in Tulsa, Oklahoma at that time. We called that the Bible capital of the world for us. There's a lot of good Bible schools of faith people came from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so my pastor said a preacher will tell you, man, if you just get to Tulsa, man, you get to Tulsa, they t- teach the Word of God, all these Bible schools, all these great preachers in Tulsa. If you just get to Tulsa, but never give you a map, where's Tulsa? How'd I get there? And so you'd leave church thinking, Man, I'd love to get to Tulsa. If I could just get to Tulsa. He said that a Bible teacher come out and say, Now here, here's an atlas. This is before we had all the stuff we got now. Here's an atlas. I want you to open up this page right here. And you look at Indianapolis and you see a highway called I-70, Interstate 70. You get on Interstate 70 and you drive to St. Louis, Missouri. When you get to St. Louis, Missouri, look on your map there now. It says I-44 West. You get on I-44 West. You take I-444 West for about 300 more miles, and then you get here to I-58. And so he shows you step by step, here's how you get from here to here. So that's what a Bible teacher does. They tell you, the peace of God is yours. Freedom from fear and torment is yours. And now I want you to open up your atlas, your Bible. I'm going to show you how to get from where you are now, from fear and tormentville, to peaceful land. I want to show you how to get there. Amen. Is that good preaching or what? Amen. Amen. And so, so, the, so the question is, how can you grow and mature in the love of God? And so concerning spiritual questions, I always go to the Bible for God's answers. And so I want you to open up to 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Just go over just a little bit. And I want to say this again as you're turning there. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Fear and torment manifest in a person's life in the natural realm. But fear and torment come from the demonic side of the spiritual realm. The spiritual always determines the natural. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And you know, I think about, 
I think about the church. You know, you that understand spiritual things, when you come into a church like this, where the Holy Spirit's allowed to be the Holy Spirit, where you have people that come in, they're already prayed up, people that are anointed, they come together to church service like this, well, the atmosphere is charged with the power of God. And people that come in from the dark world, out there all around them, they come in, when they leave, they say, man, I just feel so good when I go to church. Man, I tell you, I don't know what it is, I just feel good. And sinners come in, they leave say, man, I just feel so good in that place. Well, what they don't understand is not because it's a good place, it's because it's a spiritually anointed place. And those spiritual anointing, Isaiah ten twenty seven, you know, I quote verses, write verses down if you'd like. Isaiah ten twenty seven says the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. Isaiah ten twenty seven, God's anointing, God's presence takes heavy stuff off of you. God's presence in the spiritual realm changes how you feel the physical realm. Amen. And so, fear and torment manifest a person's life on the outside, but they come from the spiritual arena. And of course, people have never received eternal life through Jesus Christ are spiritually dead. So they can, they, 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 they can only see and fear torment on the outside because they don't have peace on the inside yet. But as Christians, we have it on the inside. We need to get it to the outside. So now, I want to read 1 John 2.5. I'm going to read it in the King James, but then I want to read it in the Amplified because that will really help you. But I want, to, I want you to see some common things here. We just saw in chapter 4, verse 18. Whoso or whoever keeps his word, it verily is the love of God, what? Perfected. What does perfect love do? Cast out fear. How does perfect love come? By keeping the word of God. Amen. Keep the word of God, then you're going to get perfect love. And then perfect love, cast out fear. It says the love of God is perfected in the one that keeps the word. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now the Amplified Bible, you know, if you have a Bible app, I don't think you can buy real Amplified anymore, but you might be able to. But I've got old original Amplifieds when they first came out. And they're different than the new Amplifieds, just like a lot of these new translations I don't think are so great. They help you understand some things, but you better understand the Bible first before you read some of these new ones. But the Amplified Bible says this, But he who keeps treasures, treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, reached maturity. It says the one that treasures, that values, respects, honors, obeys what the Word of God says to do, says the love of and for God 